Welcome to the Indian Prairie Podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Jovany, Director of Innovation. And Candy Michelli, Director of Professional Learning. In today's episode, we are excited to welcome Indian Prairie's Executive Director of Equity to welcome him to 204 and to discuss some of the work that lies ahead this school year. Welcome to 204, Nader. Can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for the welcome. My name is Nader Najjar. Uh, this is my third month at District 204. Previously, I was in District 99, which is the Downers Grove High School District. Um, I worked there as an interventionist. I did some work on trying to reduce the recidivism of in-school suspension and some other behavioral intervention work. Uh, previously, before that, I was at the Chicago Public Schools for a while and also at private and parochial schools. So that's a little bit of my background, and I'm uh, super excited to be in District 204 and to start uh, and to continue the amazing equity work that's been done here. Well, we're very excited to partner with you as well, um, especially on a lot of uh, different projects that we would like to um, focus on for the next year or two. Um, you have already shown us that you are passionate about inspiring our students to achieve mm -hmm. their greatest potential. What's inspired you along your career journey? So I'll tell a story. Is that okay, Candy and Brian? Of course. We love stories. Wonderful. Thanks. And then I'll let you tell a story afterwards if you'd like. But <laughs> I, uh, I remember in uh, eighth grade, I had my first male teacher ever. And um, I, was a, I was a good student, pretty good student, but I started to not find getting straight A's as reinforcing anymore, like maybe many students do when they're in middle school. And suddenly it was more reinforcing for me to, you know, get some laughs and giggles out of the class. So I remember it was this teacher, Mr. McManus, and I did some trolling and some, you know, goofing off like I typically do. And um, he asked me to leave the classroom. And I was shocked and appalled. I'd never been asked to leave the classroom. I was like, what's going on? Um, he spoke to me later and said, you know, you were extremely offensive and I was offended by your comments and that's why I asked you to leave. And I was like, oh man, I didn't even see that coming. Um, the next day, he tries to jab me in class, kind of like with a comment. And I was just like, oh, this is my chance to get him back. So I write him this long note saying that, uh, Mr. McManus, I've lost all respect for you. The way that you made fun of me in class today was unacceptable. I thought I was doing the same thing to him that he did to me. Um, but I really meant it because I was embarrassed and I typically was never embarrassed in class. And I asked one of my friends, I said, hey, listen, when the bell rings at 2.30, hand this note to Mr. McManus and I'm going to uh, run out the door because I don't want to, obviously, I don't want to see him in person. Um, and the bell rang. My friend gave him the note. I jet towards my house, which was about a 150 feet away from the school. And I didn't make it there in time. He caught up to me, he, like sprinting all out. He must have read the note and came out. And long story short, I mean, we had this heart to heart where he really taught me a lot about, we talked about mutual respect. We talked about what it meant to be a student in class. How do you gain respect from your peers without offending people? And it was just a discussion that I've never had before. And he taught me so much about um, something other than just the curriculum. Right. He taught me, uh, I guess what we'd call maybe some like SEL curriculum before SEL curriculum was even a thing. And so 
that really inspired me to want to be an educator and to want to be an educator that goes beyond just teaching curriculum, but can teach something else to students. Um, and then in my time as an educator, I went from school to school to district to district, finding that there was always a subgroup of students that wasn't performing as well as the other students in each district. But in my previous district, that same subgroup might have been the majority group and was performing just fine. It made me really think, what's going on? It's not that certain subgroups of students just inherently can't learn or inherently can't perform well. There's something more happening within our systems, within education, that's not allowing students uh, to achieve at their greatest potential. And so that really got me interested in equity work and really got me fired up about um, working through the system, structures, people, everything, community, to ensure that students have um, equitable experiences and uh, can stop the predictable outcomes that happen many times in education. That's a really powerful story to the connection that you made and you know some of the work that we do in our buildings to make those connections and how one educator, one staff member, how powerful that relationship can be with a student and how that can really impact something similar. When I was a kid, you know, that one teacher that kind of helps you blossom who you are, gives you a couple life advices, but at the same time, like when you're not meeting expectations kind of tells you like, Hey, I expect more from you and how powerful that is and how it carries on for, for life. Uh, I, I think that's a really important aspect of it. And so, something that you continue to remember forever. So, which yeah. is amazing. Thanks for sharing that personal story with us. Yeah. Um, so as you kind of embark on this journey, you have the opportunity to uh, work uh, throughout the system through our pre with our pre-K teachers and students all the way through our high school students. What are, what are some of those big ideas that you'll be focusing on this year and in, in your first year in 204? The big ideas that I hope to focus on this first year, uh, first is relationships. Um, as you know, uh, relationships precede all of the work that we do. So I've spent a lot of my time meeting with building leadership, um, meaningful meetings. Uh, we've met anywhere from an hour to two hours, uh, getting to know who they are, getting to know their buildings, getting to know their teachers. And I wanna be able to have that credibility with the leadership and with the teachers and the students also, um, to know that I'm coming in there and I'm coming into this district trying to honor the work that's already been done and not claiming that I know all the answers and to partner with the wonderful people we have here in the district to continue the equity work that we've done. So relationships is the first big thing that I'm focusing on. And then the next uh, larger item is our equity plan um, that has been in draft form uh, for a little bit. And we want to build on the amazing strategic plan that the community came together to build and to approve. And we want to write an equity plan that ensures that it encompasses all of the ideas within our strategic plan and also our equity belief statement and drives and informs the work, the equity work that we do over the next four or five years. So those are the two big ideas that I really wanna be able to focus on. And how I do that, there's a lot of ways, but an important way for me is again, the relationships and building the relationships with other thought leaders in the area, other districts in our area and partnering with them 
um, because many districts are also doing this work um, and not to silo our work, um, but instead to collaborate. Thanks, Nader. That um, is definitely a lot of um, hard work in the future in those areas. They've already kind of started off and you mentioned collaborating and having thought partners and um, we've been very lucky and having amazing staff and teacher leaders that have supported this work for many, many years. Um, in addition, uh, we've also identified a handful of teacher leaders that are um, called equity ambassadors. Um, and they really do work directly with you as well as people in their buildings and supporting other teachers and the curriculum instruction team. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about their role and what does their professional learning look like? The equity ambassadors, uh, we have 10 of them. And um, I really believe that it's an integral part of our system here. When we have such a large school district, the fourth largest in, in Illinois, um, trying to ensure that the work that we do um, is spread throughout the whole district and everyone has the supports they need, equity ambassadors play a crucial role in that. So we might, there might be leaders and people at the district office speaking about equity and talking about equity plans, but then we need to ensure that the equity plans and support for buildings who want to do professional development and learning around equity are supported. And that's really where I believe the equity ambassadors come to play. Um, the equity ambassadors support um, primarily the building equity leadership teams to ensure that they have the resources and the supports and to build their capacity to be able to do the equity work. Um, the equity ambassadors also serve as a support for me in reality and getting to know the culture and the climate of our district and to understand from a historical lens and from a building lens. Um, I can make it out to all of the buildings and visit them, but they're the ones that are in the buildings on a regular basis. So they kind of are able to let me know the pulse of the district and things that are happening. Um, so the equity ambassadors are a huge support for that. The equity ambassadors, um, they run professional development and professional learning themselves within our district. And the professional learning for the equity ambassadors um, looks like um, us meeting together as a team. And we are uh, thinking about doing a book called uh, Coaching um, for Equity together. Um, but we're not sure if we're there yet. Um, again, relationships precede everything. And I really want to make sure that I know my equity ambassadors. I also want to honor them and honor the work that they do because they are full-time teachers and to ensure that um, we're all working together on the same page. So that's uh, what the equity ambassadors do. That's just one small role. They have a lot of other things they do. They also support us in our relationship with PDAC and with the other parent groups. Um, and they also support us in the community work that we do. Uh, the equity ambassadors are basically just amazing equity-focused, uh, equity-minded um, teaching staff that are able to do a lot of the work that needs to be done in our district that I can't do alone. I think you really hit it on the head and they're, and they're really good people who care about kids and want to do right for uh, kids and make sure that the experiences that they have in our district are uh, making sure that they have the experiences to envision what they want to do in college career, anything else that might come about from the experience that they have in 204, which is great. Um, so you started talking about some of the equity ambassador work and what that looks like, and they've done some professional learning along the way around cultural responsive teaching. And, and I know some of our buildings have talked about it and implemented it for a teacher who's 
continuing to evolve their instructional practice around this, what resources, ideas would you want to share with them? Yeah, I'm for culturally responsive um, practices or culturally responsive teaching, there are tons of resources that a teacher can find um, on the internet or through books or through uh, professional development that we offer. Uh, but I think what's important is for us to understand that culturally responsive pedagogy is really about centering the student's identity and to make sure that the children feel included. And that work really begins with us. It begins with us as the adults and um, a lot of self-work that we need to do to get there. And I think the most important resource that we can have for developing our, our culturally responsive practices um, is a, a thought partner, like an honest thought partner that I can really talk with, be vulnerable with, um, somebody that maybe can come visit my classroom or my practice and say, hey, can you just let me know how am I doing? Am I favoring certain students? Am I respecting and honoring what uh, my students' culture? Am I centering their identities? Hey, can you take a look at my assessments? Um, read them with a different eye. Do they make sense? Are they something that students, um, do students see themselves in my assessments, in my practice, in my classroom library? Um, and I think that that's extremely important because I think if we just remain within ourselves, you know, uh, read something off of a website or read a book, um, the work can be difficult. I really think that thought partnering, um, taking advantage of the professional development that we have within the district, um, and taking advantage of just all of the amazing, well-intentioned people within our district to partner with, um, is, is first and foremost, the most important thing. Then, um, if they, if people are looking for tangible things that they could use, um, I would recommend something I've come across recently and we've partnered with through the large unit district association is um, Better Lesson. There's a bunch of free things on there. If you go to lab.betterlesson.com and you go to their strategies, learning strategies, there's a resource on there where they partnered with the Kaufman Foundation and they came up with 102 different resources for culturally responsive teaching and learning uh, through their master teacher teacher project. And uh, I think that's an extremely powerful resource where teachers can learn, uh, educators can learn everything from exercising instructional discretion for equity in the classroom, creating shared values, examining exemplars and using mentor texts. Uh, so many different parts of culturally responsive practices. Um, can be found on that website. So that's just one. Uh, there are tons, but that's just one that I've found recently that I think that teachers could really benefit from. Thanks. And I love um, your idea about teachers connecting with others and having those um, heart to heart conversations with each other, looking through critical, like through their different lenses and making sure that students are being represented in different ways. Um, that collaboration time and articulation with each other really does build your capacity and is truly the best professional learning, um, especially when you have those close relationships with others. Um, so thanks for sharing that. I think we try to do that as much as possible. Um, it doesn't seem like we ever have enough time, but when you do it, it really does um, make a huge difference. Um, so you've been here three months. Uh, we know that you've been trying to get into all the buildings, um, either just to walk around, get your bearings, but also talk with 
administrator, staff, um, even some students sometimes. What are your initial thoughts, impressions? My initial impressions being in the buildings um, is it really reaffirms uh, my belief and my feeling that um, educators are really, I, I believe, the, the best people on earth. I believe it's the highest calling, and I believe that they're the most well-intentioned, amazing people. And when I see that and I see the collaboration and the work that's been done in the district, it's obvious when I'm walking through the buildings and I'm getting to meet teachers and I'm getting to meet administrators and, and also families. Um, initially, my impressions are that there's been a lot of great work and there's been a, a wonderful um, ground that's been set for equity in our district. Um, but I also, speaking honestly, believe that there's so much more to do. And there always is, right? We, we never stop. And that's the thing with equity work. There's always layers upon layers that we build. And we're always trying to become the best educators we can. Um, so I think that my initial impressions are it's, it's obvious to me to see the work that has been done. And I see uh, amazing, well-intentioned teachers and educators and building leaders that want to do more. And I want to um, honor that and honor the um, history in this uh, district by um, adding to it and by um, hopefully helping to move the equity work forward. All right. So our last question for today, uh, a recent book, podcast that you'd recommend to the audience uh, to kind of share out? Sure. Um, Maybe I have a book and then I have something else to share. Um, a book that I think really helped me think of equity in a different way um, or really think of it from a different lens um, is a book by Floyd Cobb and John Crownapple. It's called Belonging Through a Culture of Dignity. And I believe it's, uh, it's an easy read. And I think it's really great for us to start to really think of what equity means in real terms in our classrooms and in our districts and how that the implementation of equity um, leads to um, a sense of belonging and uh, dignity within the classroom and within the district and then a a movie that maybe inspired me i think um, and i think is always a, a good watch or something to rewatch, is stand and deliver that's always a good one because i i really think that sometimes with the amount of disaggregation of data that we do sometimes i i like to say the devil is in the disaggregation we disaggregate all these state test scores and um it all these stereotypes start to replay in our minds and i think that um stand and deliver just reminds me that you know no matter what sort of um, statistics are out there about what subgroups underperform or overperform or perform whatever that even means um that um, educators can make a huge difference, right? And I think I read recently that in, if you're familiar with the movie, that in 1987, right, with the teacher uh, Jaime Escalante in that movie, which is based on a true story, 27% of all Mexican Americans who scored three or higher on the AP calculus exam were from Garfield High School, that high school that um, he taught at. So, you know, the idea that sometimes when we when we look at statistics and we look at subgroups and we start to almost uh, believe these stereotypes in reality and we just think, well, I guess that's just how students are in my district or in my building. 
um, to start to think outside the box and think like Jaime Escalante and think that anything is really possible. To the point where if you're familiar with the movie, right, um, the testing authority thought that they all cheated on the exam because so many of them passed. So I think that uh, th th that's the type of educator we want to be. We want to be so good that, uh, you know, people on the outside think that we're cheating. Thanks, Nader. We're so glad you joined us today. Um, you've been a great addition to our team as a as a thought partner for all of us. And I know that you're excited about some of the work ahead. And we are looking forward to just partnering with you in all, all things um, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. We would like to thank Nader for his time today. We are grateful that he has joined our district to help facilitate our learning and growth in the area of equity, diversity, and inclusion. We would also like to thank members of our curriculum instruction team for their leadership on this topic and extend a special thank you to members of our communications department, Lisa Berry and Emily Boulder for making the podcast happen. If you have any further questions, please email your questions to curriculum at ipsd.org. We thank you for your time today and hope you enjoyed being part of the conversation.